So ladies and gentlemen, once again, good afternoon and welcome to Real Estate IQ, number one in deal finding. And welcome to the webinar, Successful Habits Book Club. Thank you all for being with us this afternoon. I'm Arthur Aliazan, and let's journey together in this insightful world of books. Now, why this book club? You know, it has been said that our success is a direct result of all the habits we have. And the more successful habits we adopt, the more successful we become. And of course, reading on a regular basis is one of the most impactful, successful habits we can all develop. Now, here are a couple of wise words. A book holds a house of gold coming from a popular Chinese proverb. And the reading of all good books is like conversation with the finest people of past centuries by Descartes. And from Walt Disney, there is more treasure in books than in all the pirates loot on Treasure Island. Now, who are we? Real Estate IQ is a technology and data company focused on creating work from home automated systems for the real estate investment community. Now, for those of you who want to continue to work to search for your next big deal in real estate, we might just have what you are looking for. And here are our work from home automated systems. Deal analysis with unlimited comps, deal finding with over 45,000 motivated seller leads, and force premium with skip trace emails, phone numbers, and etc. Our mission to empower your journey to freedom and success. And these are our company core values. First is growth oriented, it is the belief that you can learn more or get better through hard work. And of course, our our founders have always instilled that with us, you know, the champion mindset and the mindset of a champion is flexible and strong. Champions harbor the ability to cope with setbacks and obstacles, but they also have the strong will to succeed. And of course, integrity, the quality of being honest, being trustworthy and having strong moral principles. Now, our vision for this book club is to bring together a core group of highly motivated individuals and high performers to grow together. Now, please join our passive investment program. Stay on top of passive investment opportunities in the Real Estate IQ community. And we're going to put that link in our chat box. So just press that. And of course, we're going to lead you to the right direction. So that's realestateiq.lpages.co slash invest with us. Disclaimer, all information in the presentation is intended for educational purposes only. We do not offer investment, financial, or legal advice. And may I have this pleasure of introducing our distinguished members of the panel who will help us dissect the lessons of this book. So first up, our first panelist, he will be with us in a while, is in residential and commercial real estate, communication, creative problem solving, deal structuring, and strategy. Ladies and gentlemen, real estate investor and coach and speaker, Mr. Brent Mott. Our second panelist is in the area of international business consulting, business development, investment strategies, and market analysis, the founder of U Property Investment and Winson Industries, LLC, Senior Vice President, Gainesville Capital, and Vice President, David Christopher and Associates. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. John Wu. Hey, guys. John Yu. <laughs> and, of course, our third and, um, you know, uh, our awesome speaker, and panelist this afternoon is called The Closer. 
Offering complete end-to-end -end turnkey support and power team, ladies and gentlemen, the president of Briar Court Homes, Mr. Michael Heftes. Hello, everyone. <laughs> and this is the book we're talking about, What It Takes, by Stephen Schwartzman. So these are the highlights of chapters 24, 25, and 26. So chapter 24, answer when your country calls. In the previous years, Stephen Schwartzman had several interactions with President George W. Bush. Beginning in 2012, he became more active in the national matters that were mostly behind the scenes. He was giving advice to President Barack Obama on budget concerns. He formed a special group of top businessmen to advise President Donald Trump on matters of trade and other matters of national interest. Steve became a middleman of sorts representing the interests of the United States in dealing with Canada and Mexico regarding the North American Free Trade Agreement, or NAFTA. He helped forge a new agreement, now known as the United States-Mexico-Canada Agreement, or USMCA, revamping trade rules most notably in automobile, dairy markets, intellectual property, and digital industries. Now, also in this chapter, Stephen mentioned that China and America, you know, they've had a colorful relationship, especially at the early years of the Trump administration. Steve shared his experiences and personal account on many issues that made headlines around the world. Having the trust of the Chinese government, as well as the confidence of President Trump, he was in a unique position to help both parties sit down and talk things through. He hopes something fruitful will come out of it in the future. For Chapter 25, Spin the Virtuous Cycle. Side by side serving the country, Steve and his company continued to make record-breaking deals. In 2015, General Electric sold their finance business, GE Capital Real Estate, which had a sizable real estate portfolio. Right about this time, Blackstone was considering the next generation of leaders who will take over in the years ahead. Steve and other senior partners began, began the transition by promoting the top performers in the company. Here's a quote. One generation stays on too long, the next generation gets tired of waiting, and firms lose momentum. Regaining that momentum is always much harder than sustaining it. Chapter 26, A Mission to Be the Best. Steve continued his philanthropic activities, helping major universities modernize and keep abreast with the need of the modern times. He helped renovate the University Commons and Memorial Hall of Yale University, helped develop the MIT Schwarzman College of Computing by donating $350 million and another $150 million went to the University of Oxford to develop the Center for Humanities. Now, Schwarzman mentioned 25 rules for work and life, and many of them we've already covered in the previous week. So today, I'm just going to highlight 12 out of the 25. So first, it's as easy to do something big as it is to do something small. So reach for a fantasy worthy of your pursuit with rewards commensurate to your effort. Second rule for work and life, the best executives are made, not born. They never stop learning. Study the people and organizations in your life that have had enormous success. They offer a free course 
from the real world to help you improve. Third, write or call the people you admire and ask for advice or a meeting. You never know who will be willing to meet with you. You may end up learning something important or form a connection you can leverage for the rest of your life. Fourth, there is nothing more interesting to people than their own problems. Think about what others are dealing with and try to come up with ideas to help them. We're skipping number five, moving on to number six. Information is the most important asset in business. The more you know, the more perspectives you have, and the more likely you're able to spot patterns and anomalies. From six, we now skip to 12. Never deviate from your sense of right and wrong. Your integrity must be unquestionable. It is easy to do what's right when you don't have to write a check or suffer any consequences. Fifteenth rule, sales rarely get made on the first pitch. Just because you believe in something doesn't mean everyone else will. You need to be able to sell your vision and conviction over and over again. Rule 17, success comes down to rare moments of opportunity. Be alert, be open, and ready to seize them. Gather the right people and resources, then commit. If you're not prepared to apply that kind of effort, either the opportunity isn't as compelling as you think, or you are not the right person to pursue it. 20, make decisions when you are ready, not under pressure. Others will always push you to make a decision for their own purposes, internal politics, or some other external need. 22, failure is the best teacher in an organization. Talk about failures openly and objectively. Analyze what went wrong. You will learn new rules for decision-making and organizational behavior. If evaluated well, failures have the potential to change the course of any organization and make it more successful in the future. 23, hire tents whenever you can. They are proactive about sensing problems, designing solutions, and taking a business in new directions. They also attract and hire other tents. You can always build something around a tent. And 25, everyone has dreams. Do what you can to help others achieve theirs. So those are the highlights of the remaining chapters of the book, What It Takes by Stephen Schwartzman. And I'd like to give the floor now to our panelists, John and Michael. And Brent's here. Uh, I made it in. Sorry, guys. I was closing a, uh, just FedExing closing documents. There was a line. Oh, oh hi, Brent. Yes, we're hey, now at the discussion portion. Yes, the floor is yours, dear panelists. So I normally uh, don't like to get on political soapboxes, and I generally – it's probably never hard to figure out which way I lean, um, but it, but in reading this uh, this chapter, if I accidentally use the phrase "damn idiot liberals," um, I, I apologize in advance. Um, I I was so incredibly frustrated um, uh, with with, with I, I mean trying to do just good things for for the for the country and for the people of this country. Um, and just orange man bad, let, letting that get in the way is just, it, it's criminal. I, I hate, I'm so frustrated. 
Um, but I was still able to, so I apologize uh, in advance if I, if I get on that uh, political soapbox and uh, um, I'll, See, that I'll looks like a nice beverage, Brent. It, it, it was good. It was good. Refreshing. A very refreshing. <laughs> um, uh, but but I mean, I still got some good stuff. This is um, way way bigger, way bigger. Obviously, way bigger than anything I've I've ever undertaken. Um, I don't want to limit myself, and uh, but as of right now, I don't have aspirations to take on uh, something this large. But so some takeaways that I got. World leaders are no different from anyone else. If you talk about what's on their mind and have something to offer, they will, they will listen. Democrats, Republicans, princes, or prime ministers. So, I mean, it, it's the same thing that we've been talking about this entire book. If you figure out what somebody's problem is, what they're struggling with, and you offer a solution, um, you, you can make money with it. You, you can definitely uh, figure out a way to, uh, to solve problems, to get people's attention. Um, people, people in general don't care about you. And it, it, it is what it is. So one of the things that I, that I talk to new investors about, that, and this is a little bit counterintuitive, but I always tell people, you know, as you're starting your business, you should put all of your time, energy, and effort in finding the deal. And as a real new estate, real estate investor, don't worry about raising money until you until you have the deal, because because the private investors don't care. No, they they're nice people, and I'm and I'm sure they they care about you uh, and your hopes and dreams and aspirations. Um, but for the most part, they're looking for the deal. Um, even if they are nice people, they're going to be looking for what's in it for me, and what they're looking for is a deal. Don't don't worry about growing your buyers list until you're consistently getting deal flow. Initially, find somebody like Michael that's got, you know, thousands upon thousands of people on their buyers list and partner with them. Now, once you once you're consistently getting good deals, that's when you go back and build your buyers list after you're consistently getting good deals. But put all of your time, energy, and effort in what and what's going to make you the most uh, the, the, that's going to create the most value up front. Uh, private lenders, they're going to be looking for deals. Wholesale buyers, they're going to be looking for deals. And as much as they like you, if you don't have deals, if you're not solving their problems, you're not going to be able to do any business with them. So even world, world leaders, they don't want to talk to you unless, unless you can solve their problems. Um, uh, something that he was talking about when he was dealing uh, with uh, with Trump. I need a group of people who can tell me the truth. I need a group of people that can tell me the truth. Um, tell me, tell me where we're at. What? Don't don't worry about my feelings. Don't tell me what you think that I want to hear. Um, I don't. I I I value my opinion enough. I don't need to hear it in your voice too. Um, so for me. When I'm in a leadership role, I want somebody that's going to um, challenge me in a, in a way that's, that's productive. I don't want somebody in, in the organization that's just going to be counterproductive um, with, with an argumentative. But my way isn't always the, the best way of, of doing things. Um, uh, and I do that with, uh, with my business partner, Aaron, all the time. Of, I have an idea. 
And what I, what I love is we're able to kind of talk, talk it out. And well, here's my viewpoint. Here's my viewpoint. Um, and together we come up with something that's bigger and better. And to that point, Brent, I think that goes back to a point that you've talked about in the past. And that is surrounding yourselves with the right people that you trust, that you share the same business values with so that you can have that give and take conversation mm-hmm. and have it be honest, true, and legit. Yep. So I think that's a precursor to what you were just saying. Yeah. I, I, the, you have to have the same values. You have to have the same yep. values in one, in one of those being a meritocracy. Uh, I don't care if it's my idea or your idea. Um, as, as long as the idea works and, w- and we can do something together, that, that's huge. Um, when they put together the forum, and, and this was an all-star cast when, when, he, when he talked about that. I mean, uh, the other book I'm reading right now is Jack Welch. So that's, that's one of the guys that, that he had. Um, and it's constantly surrounding yourself with people that are where you want to be um, and that have different expertise. Um, the members of the forum were serious, direct people who were good at being heard. Um, so this was the best of the best of, uh, of CEOs and company leaders. Um, when, when all of that fell apart, um, Schwartzman was talking about his biggest regret from the episode is that smart, committed group of representatives representing the best of American business could have done so much to help the administration and the country. If it weren't for the um, I, I, I mean, it, it's just that when, and, and that's the, the issue with the two party system, by the way, democracy is a horrible form of government. Unfortunately, it's the best one there is, uh, but still a horrible form of government. Um, the, the, the two party system is something that the founding fathers wanted to do it, uh, wanted to avoid. Um, but it only took, uh, two, three presidencies before the party system really, uh, took off. Um, uh, so, so much of the, of the politics is our side versus, versus their side instead of what's best for the country. Whether that when it was talking about just the U S politics, when it was talking about Canadian politics, it's, it's us versus them instead of how, how do we as a country, um, do better. And, and it, it was just very, which is why it, which is why it gets scary when you hear people not understand that we're a representative Republic. And instead they want, for instance, to get rid of the electoral college. Thank goodness there's the electoral college yeah. because then you become a pure democracy and that's the danger. Yeah. And, and then we, everything would be decided by LA. Um, uh, and New York. So, yeah. They're both doing great right now. Um, uh, uh, one of the things that, that I really like talking about the president, he worked with a tight inner circle rather through the traditional diplomatic and bureaucratic channels. So it's find the people that have the common values and work closely with them instead of, instead of the, the huge, uh, the, just all of the bureaucracy. Um, when he was talking about this, he said, I knew people on all sides and they trusted me. So when, uh, when Trump was trying to negotiate with China and do all these trade agreements, he brought in somebody that was friendly to every side, which is uh, really beneficial. So as we're going through our negotiations, anytime we can bring in somebody that's friendly, that's going to help us out. Um, uh, another thing, as, as the problems came up, so what I love about this is I highlighted stuff on problems that they were facing, 
but it, it's applicable to the problems that I face, even, even though I'm not deciding the fate of the free world. Um, study the problem in detail, then pull back and look at the handful of variables that could determine the key points for any deal. So go in and look at the details and figure out what are the major motivating factors. If we can go in and figure out those major motivating factors, that's gonna, what's going to allow us to grow our business, whether that's doing an individual deal, whether that's forming a new partnership. What are the key factors? Um, uh, another thing, so this is uh, talking about uh, negotiation and influence. Um, so he's talking about uh, when he was trying to get the president to uh, redo NAFTA, agreeing to a deal would show the rest of the world that the United States was serious about renegotiating trade deals, not just blowing them up. So what they were looking for is social proof. Um, they were looking at social proof that, yes, this is what we're working for. So we need to be able to use social proof whenever we can uh, in our business when we're in negotiations of, look, this is the person that I helped last week. Uh, if you want to talk to them, let's give them a call. Um, and then that could also be the bringing in a friendly situation. Um, I think that's the, were my major takeaways from this um, chapter. Um, and just one other thing that I found incredibly alarming uh, and, and it's true. A study by the Federal Reserve had found that nearly half of the country was living paycheck to paycheck, unable to write an emergency check for $400. For the first time in American history, millions of people feared they would end up poorer than their parents. So this is something that, you know, um, I, I feel like everybody on this call is, is an investor, um, is building for, for their future. And, and that's why we do this. That that's why we invest in real estate is so that we're never in that position. Um, we're, we're never in that position that, that I can't imagine not being at, at, at this point. Um, uh, I, I mean, real, real estate has, has definitely freed me and my family um, uh, from this. Um, did, with, and, and again, I think I did, a pretty good job of not getting too political in that chapter. Even I, I was livid. I read that. I read this chapter this morning and I was furious. Um, did y'all have any, uh, and, and, but I love that even on a international worldwide economic scale, the principles of negotiation are the same of what we're doing. The principles of working with people were exactly the same. Did y'all have any other uh, major takeaways? Um, and, and then I can get off of politics. Yeah, yeah, you know, so, so a little disclaimer here. Um, one of my majors in undergrad was international political science. So I spent four years studying the Middle East and the Far East. My father has spent 50 years working in China and Hong Kong. Um, uh, when I was in politics, I spent a lot of time and energy on issues with that region. So I, I probably know more than my fair share. And I would tell you this chapter, I, I agree with a lot of what you felt. Um, on, on a side note, anybody who thinks our biggest threat to our country is Russia is not looking far enough to the east. Um, it is 100% China, and there's no question about it for the future of this country and just about every country on the face of this earth. Um, that is not political one way or the other. That's a mere factual observation. 
I, I would say a couple of things. The pain point thing and solving people's problems is huge. Uh, there was somebody very influential today that I wanted to work closer with for quite some time. And I, I was able to find out what one of his pain points were. And so I had a meeting with him today and offered a solution to his pain point, And we're now working much closer together. And it, and it wasn't just a, hey, I want to do this. It was, hey, let me solve your problem A, B, and C. And it, it went over well because I presented a solution to him that was beneficial to him, which thus will be beneficial to the both of us. So I could not agree with that point more. Um, the other thing I, I really like is, look, anybody who's worked with me knows, and I admit maybe to a fault sometime, I'm from Boston, guys. I'm going to be direct and honest with you. And maybe sometimes I don't have enough sweetness and honey. I, I, I admit that I'm, I'm guilty of that. But you will always know where you stand with me, and I will always be truthful with you, and I will never do anything behind your back. And it's easy to say that, but you heard me talk in one of the previous episodes about a Dallas-based um, firm that uh, was basically a bunch of lawyers and tax consultants. And um, my, it came time to put your integrity on the line when there was no benefit to you. And there was somebody in our group that was sexually harassed. It was covered up at the highest levels. And I was the only one out of a group of 27 people that stood up for her defense. And you know what, guys? It, it cost me. It cost me big. So I'm not looking for an award. I'm not looking for a reward. I'm just saying that's when you really genuinely know what your values are when you have no benefit to making a stand and you do. So um, look deep and make sure that you do have, have the right ones because those are the people you want to work with and those are the people you want to partner with. So um, th those were the big ones for me. I, I really, I actually enjoyed the more international side of this. I, I thought it was great. I thought it was interesting to see it. And whether we like it or not, even in the real estate world, you know, John, you brought up something I, two times ago, I, two, two, two events ago, I think, and some of the stuff that you've learned overseas and how it was affecting you here and things of that nature. Whether we like it or not, even in the real estate market, everything that's going on internationally affects us guys. So, you know, the, the, the reach of what's going on is definitely much smaller than, than a lot of people understand it to be. I don't know if that had any, added any value, Brent, but that's kind of just what my random thoughts were. Absolutely. Oh, that's huge. John, I, I know that you've got a lot of experience um, with that. Uh, yeah, with, with, with the international stuff, especially with, with that country that starts with a C ending with an A, not Cuba. Um, it was great. Yeah. Huh? Well, it was nice to visit. Yeah. Um, you know, whether, whether we like it or not, um, it, just like what Michael said, you know, things that's happening around the world is affecting us directly. Uh, it might not feel like it. Uh, but if you put the uh, connected dots together, you will, you will see that, uh, stuff that's happening, all the way over in China or all the way over in Europe is affecting everything that we do. And uh, actually right now, it, I, I have a hunch that it's going to affect real estate pretty darn hard, um, you know, for international policies and everything like that. Um, you know, to not be political, um, which is hard, but uh, 
But, uh, for example, right now, I, I come from a place called Taiwan. It's a little small island that's off the coast of China. We speak about the same language. Uh, you know, a lot of things are shared. And uh, politically, the world is supposed to recognize Taiwan as part of China. Well, I, we have mixed feelings about that, right? Uh, but... When he's talking about working with governments, uh, one of the projects that I'm working on right now is redeveloping the systems. Well, not me personally, but you know, my family, my company over overseas is redeveloping the systems for uh, recycling in Taiwan with the uh, environmental department of Taiwan, which is separate from China. Um, and there is just a lot of stuff involved, uh, mostly. I mean, there's obviously the businessmen uh, that wants basically whatever makes them the most money. There's the politicians that wants stuff to look clean and, you know, and whatever gets them to vote. Uh, and then there's the... Um, then there's the little guys. Uh, well, no, I wouldn't say the little guys, but there's the citizens that say, okay, what, how is this going to affect, you know, us in terms of environmentally, in terms of, uh, you know, are we going to be paying more taxes? Because, you know, a little fact about, about something is that the government gets their money from your taxes. So uh, it's a very interesting it's a very interesting situation there and working in it, I realize, man, it's, it's incredibly difficult to, to, to work out a solution that, that can encompass everything. So, uh, you know, what Steve Schwarzman said in these chapters about how the whole China thing didn't work out was going like, man, you had it like, you know, it's, it's not, it's not simple, you know, from my own personal point of view, it's a, it's a clash of two different, very different ideals, which is communism. I don't ever see that ever comes to terms. It's, it's in direct, you know, opposites of each other. And uh, I guess what I have to say about these whole chapters is, yeah, it's nice for me, for for Steve and you know Schwarzman to to be trying to solve global issues and everything like that. But I personally, at the current time, although I'm trying to do something with the government on this whole environmental issue, I'd like to stick with something a little bit smaller, uh, just so we are not messing with all that stuff. It's just very, very hard, but. Yeah, uh, all the stuff that he said, which we basically encompassed in the last few weeks regarding this books, are all very valid. Uh, you know, it's just that it's uh, the most of the stuff that that he mentioned, I, I believe, have already been said in the last however many chapters that we read. And uh, you know, just work work on yourself, uh, educate yourself, and then use that knowledge to help other people whenever you can. And I, I, I feel once you do that, you know, wealth and, and success usually comes with it. Uh, if, if you're being smart about it, obviously. That's it.
All right, perfect. Um, so uh, stuff that, that I got out of the, uh, the spin the vicious cycle, or, uh, or virtuous, <laughs> spin the virtuous cycle, there we go, um, in, in talking about the next generation and, and growing, uh, growing the company. So um, uh, we designed our culture and organization for the long term. I love that everything that they, that they look at is very future focused and, and looking at the long term because that's, that's ultimately uh, what's going to be best. Um, and, he, and he was talking about the way that they built their firm and the size to which they grew their firm. He said, we could do bigger deals, add new lines of business and attract the right talent to manage them. Uh, the first was that we got to see deals that no one else got to see. So that's, uh, we're, we're not all going to be Blackstone. That, that's just, let's just be real. We're not all going to be Blackstone, but if you're, uh, I know, uh, I was really hoping to, to have the $60 million birthday party or whatever. I was going to call it Jeff to stone. There you go. I like it. I like it. Um, uh, but when we do networking, when we grow our brand, when we let other people know what we're doing, that that grows us a ton. Um, I'm doing a $30 million apartment development on the big island of Hawaii strictly because I was talking about a deal I was doing and another deal I was doing in Hawaii. Um, the first deal that I that we just, uh, we just bought 36 acres in Hawaii. Um, the way that I got that was at a networking event talking about how I do creative deals and, and understand marketing. So, I mean, th that was two deals that led to each other um, that, that are absolutely huge. The one of them is going to add $2,000 a month to my, uh, to my uh, passive income for the next probably 20 years. Uh, the apartment is going to add, um, I don't remember what my payout is. I'm getting 90 grand in about a year though. Um, that's a good day. Um, my mom's, uh, my mom's IRA starting in about two and a half years is going to start getting $3,000 a month. Uh, I, I mean, that's a, that's a game changer. And both of those came just because, uh, I tell people that what I do and that gives us more opportunities to do more deals and grow. Um, uh, uh other, other stuff. Uh, if leaders don't want their organization to tire, they have to start working on succession when their drive, their talent, and their competition are yet to peak. So um, I'm uh, where I'm. So I'm starting a, a hedge fund. Essentially, um, is is what I'm working on, and I'm building it with my retirement in plan. Uh, I, I'm building it all. Um, and I want to, I, I honestly want to step away from being in charge of the investments and dealing just with investors, um, in five to 10 years. Um, I like dealing with investors. That's what I like to do. That's my favorite thing to do. I like structuring deals, but I love, uh, my interactions with investors. So I'm growing this with the intention of, you know, stepping down of, of being, uh, of, of co-leading the investments. Um, within five to 10 years, because I know what I like to do, but I'm, uh, I'm planning the succession from the very beginning. Um, that being said, I doubt that I'm going to be ready to step down in five years, but I'm planning it that way. Um, 
when they were talking about uh, the new president, John was thinking long-term about his own relationships and reputations for the firm. Uh, reputation and relationships, that is everything, especially in the real estate investing world. Um, uh, I respected him for balancing various interests. That's exactly how you want some, uh, someone to be thinking in a seat of power. So uh, I've got, so one of the things that I've got going on uh, right now with, with the fund that I'm working on is I'm dealing with my partners on the acquisition side and I'm dealing with my partners on, on the investor side. And I've, uh, and I've told all my acquisitions, all of everybody that I work with on the acquisition side, yes, this is a good thing and this is going to be good for your business. I'm treating, I'm, I don't legally have a fiduciary. I'm not a legal fiduciary to my investors, but I told every single person on the acquisition side, I'm looking out for the investors. That, that's who I care the most about. Yeah, I'd love to be able to pay you an extra thousand dollars for that deal, but I've got to do what's great. I've got to do what's best for the investors. So it's that balancing out um, of every side of, uh, of, of the partners. And I've got a great relationship with my acquisition people. I've got a great relationship with my investors and I've, I've got to balance all of that out um, as we grow. And that's something that I've got in uh, ultimately I've got to take care of the investors um, for first and foremost, but there is that, there is that balance. Um, uh, something else that, that uh, John was the, the guy that they brought in under pressure. He always asked for the ball. I love a good sports reference. Um, uh, under pressure, he, he always want under pressure. I'm always going to bet on me. Um, so I, I like that attitude in, uh, in somebody that I'm working with. Um, when a new leader is appointed by an organization, a lot of those below them get moved to new positions. So you've got to, uh, as things change, you have to be prepared to, de to deal with those changes. Um, and then, uh, when we found a Blackstone, I promised uh, that they would be different from other organizations and they would let talent flourish. So uh, that you've got to let the people that you work with have, have that opportunity to grow. Um, uh, and this, this applies more to the corporate world than the entrepreneurial world. Um, but what the best way to not get promoted is to be unreplaceable. That, that, is, that is the best way to not get promoted. When I was at Cadillac, um, I would not get promoted because I made them too much money. I, I made them too much money in my current role. I was making them over a million dollars a year. They weren't going to promote me. Um, so, uh, uh, so I, I made myself unreplaceable and when I became unreplaceable, I came unpromotable, um, uh, which ultimately is why I left. Um, cause, cause I've, maxed out my my ability to grow so i always want to foster um uh the people the people that i work with and i want to help them uh i i want to be replaceable the the people that i work with i want them to grow to the point that they don't need me anymore um and what that means is that generally what happens is i've got really 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 talented people that want to stick around me because my focus is on growing them to the point that they don't need me and because of that that breeds a lot of loyalty and that breeds really good relationships. Um, uh, he was talking, uh, with, uh, I don't remember who Kathleen was. The trick I told her was finding fantastic people and giving the, them the chance to be the best at what they do. Find, find fantastic partners, let them do what they do. 
Um, it's under, it's in, uh, so important that people understand how much you appreciate them and that you make them feel good about themselves. So the self-confidence is the basis for great performance. Um, be, be, so being grati- grateful to people and showing gratitude is going to do two things. One, it's going to show them how much you appreciate them. Two, when you show gratitude, it's really hard to be stressed out. It's, it's really hard uh, to be anxious and grateful at the same time. So I constantly want to let the people that I do business with know how much I appreciate them. Um, and, and a simple thank you, I appreciate you goes so far, goes so, so far. Um, uh, uh, did, uh, Michael, John, did y'all have anything kind of about the, the succession and, and the growth of the company? I think it's kind of a good blueprint on how to become a better partner and personal work with yourself. I mean, much of what he talked about was if you can internalize it, it's how do you become a better person to work with? Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. And, and that's what we're ultimately looking for. Yeah. Uh, like, I don't know about business here. I'm guessing it's about the same thing, but in, in Asia, especially nowadays, uh, I don't, okay. Asia is one of the highest growing aging population there is right now in the world because, well, China has their one child policy. So now everyone who's making a decision is like, you know, the baby boomer age and everything like that. And right now uh, they're beginning to find that if you, ha- if you own a company in, in, you know, in Asia, when I say Asia, I mainly mean China and Taiwan, because those are the countries that I really know in Hong Kong. Oh, well, now Hong Kong's China. So, um, but, you know. Uh, Didn't Hong Kong go back to China in like 1999? 1998. Right, but they're technically self-ruling until recently. Oh, okay. It, it's, it's like two countries, one system, or what? It's, 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 it's a bunch of yes. It's, yeah, it's a bunch of mumbo jumbo. Anyways, uh, if you own a business and you don't, and the, the average age of your business is over 40 in Asia nowadays, people don't want to do business with you for one simple reason. They know they cannot have a long-term relationship with you two, 20 years down the line. Because when people age, you know, they're, I mean, it's harder for uh, you know people of higher age to learn new technology, to follow newer trend. Although there are some extraordinary people out there, you know Steve Schwartzman obviously was, still got some some stuff going on. But in general, everything is just going downhill after you pass thirty five. So it's really really important, uh, I believe, to find a replacement for yourself while being able to uh it's part of being a leader i guess being able to find people that are willing to work with you even though you're not no longer doing the work you know people that are willing to do the work for you because there's more to gain by doing so and that's always how i i've been able to well no i've been able that's always how i view my own business to the point where sometimes i probably don't even learn what i'm actually supposed to learn uh (laughs) which is not good. Uh, and uh, We've all been there, John. 
Yeah, we're just like, oh, you know, I don't need to, I don't need to learn all this stuff. I can just, you know, find people, great partners to do everything. And then at the end of the day, you're going like, wait, then what value do I have to add? <laughs> and, John, don't you find that's a, a fine line? Like sometimes I find it's almost too easy sometimes to rely on other people. And, you know, we've talked before where you don't need to be an expert in everything. You need to surround yourself with experts. But at the same time, it's also good if you have a basic understanding. And, and do you That's sometimes right. have that challenge of finding where's that line of relying on others versus you learning it? I know I do. Yeah. Um, so, so my idea for the way that I, I circle around thing is I love to learn new things from different people. There's no way I'll be an expert at, you know, whatever they were expert at. Because, you know, they maybe they went to, you know, four years of college plus two years of graduate school just to learn that subject. There's no way I can learn in a one day or two days to beat them at that subject. But I'll try to understand them. And something I found, and I remember Brent saying this some, some times ago, is that if you listen carefully to people that are expert on their subjects, most of the time, they're pretty proud of their subject that they're expert on. And you just go, you know, wow, that's, you know, and I genuinely am curious about what, what they're saying. Uh, usually that, that's, that's a pretty good way of gauging people's interest into telling you more about what they know and what you don't. Uh, but again, you know, it's a really interesting line. Like, okay, so what, what, what do I have to offer? You know, there's people that is obviously better than me in terms of, negotiation better than me in terms of marketing better than me in terms of legal advice better than me in terms of math in terms of business structuring but i find at the end of the day the only thing that's non-replaceable i think phil Shinoa said this is that your network is unreplaceable if people can meet with other people that they genuinely want to meet and work with through you then you become irreplaceable because you're always going to be the bad person that's bridging new people and new connection to them. So that's how I feel. I don't know if, if that's what you guys feel. Well, and I mean, it's constantly, people love to talk about themselves. It's kind of, I was talking about this earlier today. The people don't care what you have to say until it's how to, how does it apply to me? How, how are you going to benefit me? How is it going to, what am I going to get out of it? So we have to, we have to ourselves get up to that and, and try to try to get out of our own heads um, and, and move away from that line of thinking um, and go towards being genuinely interested in other people. And that's, that's going to greatly grow our relationships. Um, uh, I would, I would love to talk about the, the 25 rules for work and life, but I, I think those speak for themselves. I think I just highlighted that five pages. Um, no, I, I didn't just highlight the five pages, but uh, I, I did a lot of highlighting in there um, from never stop learning. Uh, there's nothing more interesting to people than their own problems. Information is the most important asset in business. Um, when presenting yourself, remember the impression matters. Um, uh, people in a tough spot often focus on their own problems when the answer usually lies in fixing somebody else's problems. I, I think that I think the biggest takes takeaways from this book, from biggest takeaway from this book overall, is figure out how to solve other people's problems. That that is that is the consistent theme 
that that I got out of out of this entire book is try is do your best and solve and solve problems for other people. I I, I mean, that's kind of uh, uh, do the absolute best you can do and then strive to do better than that and solve other people's problems. I, I think those are the the, the two. The, the two biggest themes from this entire book. Um, I know I, I want to get everybody in, uh, all, all the uh, all the participants in, uh, to kind of get any takeaways uh, that they have. But um, I'll tell you right now, I'm going to read this book at least five more times, um, just because it was so good. Um, uh, if uh, if you did like this book, um, two other books I would recommend. Um, if, if you like Schwarzman specifically, there's a book, King of Capital. Um, if we want to start bringing in uh, all the participants um, while I'm kind of talking about this, that'd be great. Um, uh, if you like Schwarzman's uh, in particular, there's a book called King of Capital, which is written about Schwarzman from somebody else's point of view. Um, that's really good. Uh, and then another really, really great book is Principles by Ray Dalio. Um, I think that I'd like to uh, do principles in, in book club. Uh, uh, not the next book, but uh, in, in the next year, I'd really like to talk about Principles by Ray Dalio. Uh, Arthur, do you have a picture handy of the next book, The Jocko Willing? Oh, yes. Uh, it's here. Let me show that up. All right, share screen. Um, Arthur, did I give you the, the chapter breakdown of, of which chapters we're gonna focus not on? Not yet, not yet. Let me grab it and I'll, I'll be right back as everybody's coming in and, and kind of chat. All right. So once again, for everybody's guidance, this is our next book. Number one, New York Times bestseller, Leadership Strategy and Tactics by Joko Willink. So this is gonna be an interesting book, uh, personally recommended by Brent. So we are truly looking forward to this. Now it looks like we have um, all the attendees slowly coming in, just a few more. Now, we'd like to know your takeaways and your thoughts about this book in general and, of course, the remaining chapters. And can we start with Juan, who's been very active once again in our webinar chat? Well, um, I, 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 I don't have a whole lot more to add than what, what Brent, uh, Michael, and, and John have already. But, but in, in the last three chapters, including the epilogue and, and the 25, quote, uh, 25 rules, but the three, the three that, that really stuck to me were um, the, we all have a duty not only to preserve the knowledge that is handed to us, but also develop it in a way that improves its relevance and impact for future generations. And, and it was interesting because Brent mentioned how in one of the quotes that, that he says is that this generation fears having less at the end of their life than their parents did. And, and what, I, what I see Schwartzman and his company doing is making sure that, that they make sure that, that the future generations have better. And I, and I think that's, again, serving, serving others. The second one was the resilience you exhibit in the face of adversity rather than the adversity, wait, yeah, rather than the adversity will be what defines you as a person. And again, it's like, 
how do you face challenges? How do you solve problems? How do you make it about other people? And then the last one was devote your time and energy to things you enjoy. Yeah. Excellence follows enthusiasm and anything solely for prestige rarely leads to success. And I think that that goes with a lot of other things. It's if you're not enjoying what you're doing, it doesn't matter what kind of money you make or whatever, you're just not going to be happy. And that, and that unhappiness is going to exude to your surroundings and people are going to feel that. And eventually you're going to not, people aren't going to really want to deal with you because you're not happy doing what you're doing. So I think th those three things for me were, were really good because it, it talks about helping others in their generation, learning from adversity and building your, your resiliency, and then enjoy what you're doing. So, Thank you so much, Juan. Always a pleasure hearing your insights. How about Peter? Would you like to um, go next? Uh, real quick, just to, to catch before anybody hops up, let's go ahead and do the introduction and section one. So it's going to be uh, up. Section two starts on page 86. Um, that's about two hours of audio on Audible. So that uh, uh, should be pretty manageable. All right. I, I don't have a whole lot to say. I just really enjoyed the book. The story of Steve Schwartzman's is an incredible story. And uh, I just was enjoying the story line. And um, I was uh, a little intrigued when he spoke about the, the group of, of business leaders that were going to um, advise President Trump and then the stupid thing in, uh, I think it was Georgia or somewhere over there in the southeast between the Antifa and the KKK or whatever all that baloney was and the comments that Trump made turned the business leaders off and they were, they were worried about being associated with Trump. And I think, God, that's so sad that that had to happen like that. And then <laughs> I'd, I'm, I'm curious if Trump, what was um, planning on disbanding the group because he preempt, preempted the announcement by 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 claiming that he was going to disband the group, and I just wonder if that's true. If he was really planning to do that, or if he just wanted to preempt it. <laughs> I, I think it was preemptive, but but don't worry. Uh, coronavirus will clear up on November the the fourth or fifth, and then we'll be back to impeachment proceedings. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. Anyway, it's a messy political world we're in and I hope I hope somebody can step up and become a leader in the in, in the federal government and get some of those problems straightened out, but I don't see it happening anytime soon. So anyway. one, I, one thing kinda thank you, Peter. One thing that I will say, I'm uh, uh as much as I uh talking and complain about the the political uh entities they don't control my life they're they're who's in part who's in power doesn't doesn't impact me that much i'm ultimately in control i refuse to be a victim i absolutely regardless of how stupid the system is i refuse to be a victim and i'm going to do whatever it takes for me and my family to prosper and, and my community and the people that, that are important to me. Um, and, and yes, for me, uh, I'm thinking of the nicest pissing and moaning about politics is, is a fun topic of conversation for me, but ultimately 
I am responsible for me. And, 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 and I, I just refuse to be a victim. Uh, along those lines, my in-laws are uh, diametrically evil opposite uh, political spectrum people. And I absolutely look forward to them coming over because I know it's all going to be fire, fire, fire. Thank you for your insights, guys. How about Robert and Israel? We'd like to hear a few words from you, please. Hey, guys. Um, I, I'll stay out of the politics. It just, I'll, I'll sum it up by saying that uh, Brent and I are, are probably very aligned, um, as, as well as Michael. Um, the Again, on this book, the last six chapters are by far my favorite. It's it was slow to build for me. Um, I'm kind of like you are, Brent. I'm 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 going to go back and reread it as opposed to the the audible audible book because especially the last three the last six chapters it starts it's almost starts. Uh, if any of you saw the great the the uh, uh, what's the title of the movie? The Great Short. Big Short. The big short, thank you. It starts reading like that, and I, I get I get into the drama of it and who he talked to and what he advised, and and I miss some of the nuances because it gets it, the whole thing that, that throws me about this stuff is we have these brilliant minds out there that have these solutions, and they they exercise their mental prowess very. Um, gingerly in my opinion or some of them do and they just don't get listened to um you know it's like i mean he was one of the people his organization saw the the fall of the uh the mortgage industry coming and of the the way the notes were being structured and he tried to warn people but it wasn't until it collapsed they started listening and I mean, I'm sure there are people who will you know, say, well, he just profiteered. Well, yeah, it's not like he didn't warn people it was coming. Um, good on him for making money out of it. But that's the other thing is it's, it's if you look at all those life lessons, the, the 25 things in the back of the book, he really could have just put that out and summarized, you know, this is what I did in my life. But he gives you the stories and the materials to back it up. And it's it's, you guys have all, comment on already but it's engaging it's helping other people i, I love zig ziglar big fan love zig ziglar i've always loved zig ziglar he was actually my sunday school teacher for a while and zig's you know his famous thing was he goes you know if you ask him what do you do he goes i help people i help people solve their problems and he said and if you do that you'll make a lot of money in life and he goes and believe me people got lots of problems and um that's all that's all Schwartzman did. It did. I mean, I say that's all. I mean, he did it in huge ways, but he, he found problems. And, and we talked about it a couple of weeks before that um, he seemed to have a knack for seeing ahead of the curve. You know, he, he, he has a knack for it's like who would have ever thought of tying land uh, prices in India to the fall of our mortgage industry? I wouldn't have. And I'd like to think I'm pretty bright, but I don't even pay attention to economics. I didn't then. I don't. I didn't even pay attention to global economics as much. Now, you know, our world has gotten smaller. And it, I mean, what's going on with China right now? It's going to have huge impact. Um, I don't think any of us know what it's going to be, but it's going to be huge. I have an ideal. Schwartzman's next book 
uh, <laughs> tell us what the impact was. But uh, anyway, I, I was I, I got more and more excited as as we got deeper into it. So I'm going to go back and reread it, and I've already started Jocko's book this week. So um, this will be my third time reading it. So uh, there you go. I'm, I'm excited to get on with it. I think we have a similar library. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Robert. How about Israel? Uh, how y'all doing today? So I actually finished this book probably three weeks ago, and I'm at the end of my Jocko Williams book, the next one. Um, but yeah, uh, I love. So you, this you don't movie. get how this works. We we all read at the same time and then talk about. It. Brent, I think uh, what he's doing is considered cheating. <laughs> If you yes, cheating, uh, trying. <laughs> I'm cheating on book club, <laughs> but, uh, no, um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it and, and I will definitely go back and, uh, listen to it again. I'll, I'll probably order a hard copy and actually read it. I'm not a fan of reading, but I've made myself for the last five years read. So I'm going to continue to grow my library and, uh, I, I do like it on Audible, though, because I go look at a lot of houses, and I I live down in Alvin, so it takes me about an hour to get up uh, in Houston in the traffic, so I just love listening to the audiobooks as I go. I, I think that's so one of the things that I do, I love I love audiobooks. I, I, like, hard, I like hard books. I, I have a Kindle, too, but I like hard, hard copy books, and what I do is I actually listen to the audio while I read. Um, that, that's what I do. Um, so I, almost every book I have, I have in audio and in, and on a hard copy. And that really helps me with my retention. And what I do is the first time I go through a book, I read it and listen to it. And that way, when I go back and re-listen to it, I, I, I have a better foundation and, and I get more out of it. So, I mean, that, that's just one thing that, that I do that, that helps me. All right. Now we're going to invite Mario. David, would you like to say something before we go? Just give us a signal. David, Mario. Well, if there is none, so once again, our next book is Leadership Strategy and Tactics by Joko Willink. We are really looking forward to that. And the book is being projected by Brent right there. And I think that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much. And I had so much fun and I learned so much from all of you guys. Thank you all. And I'll be seeing you next week. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you, guys. For webinar schedules, follow us at our official social media accounts or visit us at www.realestateiq.co.